It's the doc and the deacon, stethoscope and hope, talking everything from poop to the pope. One believing in spiritual miracles, the other believes in movement bowels that are irritable. Two dads, more like two brothers, and they breaking bread like the Last Supper. This show won't get negative feedback, that be like the deacon prescribing a Z-Pack. So don't get it twisted like a Philly pretzel, Foles already told y'all that Philly special. Take notes from the knowledge they're teaching, pay attention, it's the doc and the deacon speaking. Welcome to Doc and the Deacon, a podcast about two dads, one of us believing in the power of science, one of us believing in the power of Jesus, but both of us believing in the power of an ice cold beer. So Deacon, Holla. when patients come in for a Medicare wellness exam, there is a memory test. Most of the time when I give them that test, you're not uh, a doctor. <laughs> you know, I get confused sometimes. Yes, you definitely get confused. I definitely forget which one I am. Yeah, yeah, I've got, yes, it's, yeah, it's okay. hard. Yeah, yeah. Right. Do, do you have any student loans you're still paying off? <laughs> no, do you? No, I've actually ah, paid them off. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things I ask them is a memory test. We go through and I go, hey, do you know the date today? Yeah. July 13th. Okay, excellent. Can you tell me something that happened in the news recently? Um, something that happened in the news recently? Oh, man. It can be sports. It does not need to be political. But okay. I learned a lot the, about people from that. SB's uh, U.S. Women's National Team, the uh, Arthur Ashe uh, Courage Award. Awesome. I'm going to say a name and an address. Okay. I want you to say it back to me, and I want you to remember it. Okay. John Brown, 42 West Kensington. John Brown, 42 West Kensington. And then I hand them a sheet of paper that has a circle on it. Okay. And I go, hey, I want you to draw the numbers on a clock. Okay. And then I so want I got, you to draw I'm drawing the, the numbers on the clock. And I want you to draw the hands of the clock to say 1110. Okay. I know where 1110 is. Have you been to the dentist recently? Yes. Do you have a living will? No. Oh, we should make you one. Yeah. 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 I'm gonna, can I? And I'm going to, no matter what you write, put on it. If the plug gets pulled... The dog gets to ball it. Yeah, all right. And have you been feeling down, depressed, or hopeless recently? No. Do you remember that name and address I asked you to say? John Brown, 42 West Kensington. Look at that. Look at that. And so we're going to talk about something so that's... So I'm okay. Yeah, you get... It's out of nine points. I'm assuming your clock looked beautiful. Yeah, I have 1110 because I had... What I had for 1110, just so you know, I had the little hand... Just past the 11. Perfect. And the big hand at the two. You know what the best part is? Old people love to tell me, young kids couldn't do this. And I want to be like, both my kids could do this. And you can't right now. But you love to tell me <laughs> what young kids can't do. Kind of like you know, what Lexi, grandparents love to say. Lex, my youngest the other day, when she, she's into the Apple Watch. Because she's into her activity nice. stream. Yeah. She wants to see how much I... So she's been stealing her mother's and her sister's watch. To wear, and she asked me the other day, can I get an Apple Watch for my birthday? I think the answer is no. Um, that, that's quite an, an, an expense. For, well, uh, if advertisers jump on, maybe. Oh. Yeah. Do you think Apple would sponsor us? Oh, absolutely. Why yeah. wouldn't they? That would be a great idea. Yeah. Except for... Luckily, you don't have a Samsung over there, do you? No, no, hey, no. But there's nothing worse than the person. You know how many group chats I would get kicked out of oh. if I had a Samsung? Oh, I could not imagine. Like, why do we even let those people? Should, should that be one of the things that's on the like, uh, can we be friends list? Yes. Yeah. And 
most of them are doing it on purpose just to mess with you. Oh, I don't need Apple. I love Android. So the reason that I ask you this memory test is partially because I'm worried about you. But secondarily, every time I go through the memory test, it makes me think of Kensington and it makes me think of drugs and what's going on in the world right now. And there is a new adulterant. Do you know what an adulterant is? An adulterant is something that is introduced into something to change or uh, alter it in some state. Ooh, Marion Webster is pleased right now because you did a heck of a job and okay. really nailed that definition. Yeah, yeah, you're really on fire today. The they, deacon is doing well. I may be. I'm feeling, let's hear it for the deacon. Holla! So right now in Kensington, yeah. there is a thing called Trank Dope, the zombie drug. Xylazine. So now, since the deacon is on fire, try to spell xylazine. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say it starts with an X. Mm-hmm. X-Y-L-A... Xyla... Uh, and then the Z, Z-I-N-E. Wow. Everything is turning out peaches for the deacon. Oh, how? So, in Kensington, people... And all over the world, people are buying drugs, and oftentimes they think they're buying opiates. Okay. Now, opiate is what? Opiate is usually a pain medicine that works on the mu receptor. And previously, I know we've discussed oxycodone and hydrocodone. Yeah. But currently, most people are looking for heroin in their opiates. And heroin now is the biggest issue Heroin's with opiate abuse. Cheap, accessible. Heroin is kind of cheap. Okay. Heroin is cheap, but what is cheaper is buying fentanyl from other countries okay. and cutting the heroin with fentanyl or carfentanyl and Which other medications a- that are causing even more respiratory distru- depression, more respiratory distress than before. But now xylazine is not an opiate. And then we use the Narcan, also known as what? Nal- uh, naloxone, yeah. Naloxone, right. So xylazine is a medicine that has been used by veterinarians. came out in the 1960s, 1962. And recently through- It's used by veterinarians? Yeah, as a sedative. So it's what veterinarians use to put animals to sleep while they do- procedures and right now because of that it's not approved by the fda it was tested many years ago it is not safe for humans it is not safe for humans but people are buying this or stealing it or getting it and they are cutting heroin with it they are cutting drugs with it and so now people are getting part heroin but part xylazine and now what's the issue with that because if it's just a sedative is it putting me to sleep like why do i Care, except for the fact that an adulterant has been, you know, uh, mixed in or, or introduced to my heroin. Why do I care? What's, what does that mean? Well, that's kind of layered. It is a phenothiazine. Okay. It is a sedative that is similar to certain blood pressure medicines from the past, one in particular called clonidine. And so it can lower your blood pressure. It can lower your heart rate. It can cause drowsiness. It takes four to five days to clear the system. But it is really, really dangerous for even other reasons. And it's now, Philadelphia right now is one of the places where they're trying to figure out when adulterants get added. It is really 
at the top of the spectrum of when things move in. It is such one of the biggest markets. Oh, it is It is one of the areas, specifically one area in Philadelphia that we're going to get into, Kensington. Why do we think that is? Because of so our... So it's now been tested to be almost in 90% of the drug supply in Philadelphia. Also, drugs move from east to west. So we think- We notice if you find things in the east coast, it takes time before they then go to the south and then they go to the west. Is it because of our proximity to the ports? Um, or our proximity to New York City? Like, what is it that makes Philly such a hotbed for this? I think it's kind of complicated, but the really scary part about this medicine is that because it's a sedative, Narcan doesn't work. Okay. Right, so Narcan, which will reverse the effects of opiates, and often people, people get Narcan, they immediately go into withdrawal, and they kind of pop up, and they almost want to look like they are agitated or irritated, right now, you're having someone that is getting this, and still, you're not able to revive it's them. not responsive to Yeah, and so now right. you need to give respiratory breaths. They'll go to respiratory distress. And so the reversal agents we have are no longer there. Also, Narcan is about to go over the counter. Oh, that's awesome. I'm not sure. Okay. Because if it goes over the counter, we need to make sure it's still covered by insurance. If it goes over the counter, will it be inexpensive? Yeah. If Narcan costs fifty dollars, so it becomes it becomes the uh, the EpiPen. Yes. Right. Here is the issue. Okay. Right. Xylazine basically is a sedative, and people is sedatives similar ones that are different are the benzodiazepines like. Xanax and Clonopin and Ativan. Gotcha. Uh, but this is a little bit different in how it works with the Narcan not working. But one of the things we've learned is it causes skin necrosis. It causes wounds. And not just where you inject it. But these wounds cause so large wounds. They cause necrosis. Breakdown of the skin. Okay. Like, I think that, that means like dying skin, right? Like skin cells are dying? Not only that. Not even where you inject this. Okay will open up wounds in other places. And why does it do that? We don't understand fully. There's something we think about vasoconstriction it's doing to the tissue and causing vascular necrosis. Oh. Oh, yeah. But these wounds so it's, are huge. So it's, so it's stopping blood flow to certain areas. And then because the skin's not getting any blood flow there, it's dying? Now... Patience. Did I just say that right? Yes. Please acknowledge for the, the people. The deacon is on fire. The Holla. deacon is on fire. Mm. The problem is now patients are getting wounds. And if you ever want to see something horrific, oh. put in Google images, xylazine wounds, and it's just huge chunks of tissue that is basically open. And I'm going to give a shout out to the nurses. Nurses do so much of a better job at wounds than doctors. Yeah. And it really looks like little pox. And then you get these huge wounds. And the rate of amputation is skyrocketing in these patients. Wow. Also, they get such wounds that they're injecting into their own wounds, hoping they don't develop new wounds. So basically, the skin is going away. And so you can inject into the veins because the skin is gone. And you can see the vein there slowly bringing blood back, which is a scary thing. I have heard stories. I only know because you did send me pictures. And, you know, I don't know what the people know about how we prepare for this. And, um, you know, most of the time. We, we both have a, we try to reveal as much during our time live. Yes. So we can get real time um, reactions, right? Like you don't know my whole plan. You'd have no idea 
what I'm going to talk about, even with the thorough list of notes sitting in front of me. I'm surprised that you knew what the uh, topic was today, <laughs> except for you're on fire today, right? Uh, John Brown, 42 West Kensington. That's right. Yeah. But you so, sent me pictures, and it was... I did, of these wounds, and they are scary. And if I could even... You know, it looked akin to uh, third-degree burn stuff. Oh, it's awful. Lying in bed last night, I was like, hey, babe, you got to see what these wounds are from xylazine. And she kind of asked me, what xylazine? And then I showed her some wounds, and she's like, oh, no, I, I can't look at that. I no, can't look at that. And then no. I said, do you want to make out? <laughs> and she goes, you just showed me those vile pictures, and now you're thinking about making yeah. out? And the answer is... Yes, I was. Yeah, because and and, and, and no, sure, and no, we didn't. Yeah, no, no, I ruined it. Yeah, great job with the research. Thanks, Doc and the Deacon. Yeah. So, this is an adulterant. They're putting it in. Why are people ever wanting to get this? So, I don't think most people that have opiate addiction want to get this. Nobody's going it, out of their way and saying, "Hey, give me the stuff that kills my skin, gives me wounds." It can lengthen the euphoria. So the thought is, because some of the opiates are fast-acting, that it will lengthen the euphoria. And I, and I think the question comes to, you're right, why did this happen in Kensington? In the mid-1800s to the 1950s, Kensington was a bustling area full of immigrants from Germany, Ireland, all over Europe at this time. Um, and yes, a lot of the people, everyone here is an immigrant, in case you don't realize. It was actually a famous area. They used to make Stetson hats. And um, then there was... When I was a kid, so, so I'll never forget, we, um, we never really drove new cars. Um, you know, we had this Pontiac Le Mans station wagon. We did get a new Honda Accord hatchback. Wow. Right? I do remember that. But I'll never forget, uh, my dad bought this Cadillac Sedan DeVille. Do you remember what the Sedan DeVille was? Oh, uh, no, I'm sorry, the Seville. No. The Seville had, uh, no, it was the Sedan DeVille. It, it had this little, like, um, it was yellow. And on the back, it had a place where it went out, and then there was a, the, the spare tire rack that came down. Oh, yeah, it was a very, I remember that one. Very distinctive Cadillac. And I'll never forget uh, when we had this car that we had a Stetson hat in the rear window while we drove this Cadillac around. I can picture it. It was pretty cool. I love it. Yeah. Well, then the 1920s happened, the 1930s happened, the Depression happened, and a lot of the factories failed. In the 1950s, there were race riots in Kensington. There were empty factories. Some of these empty factories led to areas that were unpoliceable. Yeah. In the 1970s, speed and cocaine, for some reason, came into Kensington. It was just far enough out of center city that I think there's a balance between how much do police want to keep it away from center city while also realizing it's going to happen somewhere. And then in the 1980s, you know who we blame? Who? The Mafia. Oh. Then the mafia, they brought drugs in. And in 2016, 64,000 people died in Philadelphia from opiates. Mm. More than the entire Vietnam War. That's crazy. Maybe that was the United States. But <laughs> more people died in one year from opiates the entire Vietnam War. 
than the entire Vietnam War. Right now, if you walk down Kensington, you see people that they call the zombie drug. Have you seen pictures of how they stand? No. Oh, so they will be standing bent over at the waist. So your waist is perpendicular to the ground. Okay. And with this trank dope. You're walking around like that. You are walking. You are standing there. Your head is facing the ground. Yeah. And it looks like you're bent over. And if you see pictures of people just driving through the areas in Kensington where there's an open drug market, there are people just in this position on this trank dope. And it is scary to watch. It is scary to watch. It makes you think. And that's not a name. That's not a name we've assigned to it. That's what people have, have said. It's, it's the trank dope drug. Correct, correct. Right. And, and there are thoughts that referring to the zombie drug mm. is disrespectful to those people who have substance abuse issues. And I sure am not trying to. But the pictures yeah. are hard to look away from. It is really different. So the question is, how do we fix a place like Kensington? How do we fix this issue? You know, it all it it scares me because I remember when we when we Philadelphia is one of the places to uh, implement the safe injection sites. What are your thoughts on those? It's tough because I'd love to eliminate the drugs altogether, but I also recognize drugs will never go away. But I also recognize, you know, uh, uh, being a young kid growing up when AIDS was a huge epidemic. And knowing what it could do and, and trying to prevent, you know, the further spread of diseases like that by preventing people from sharing needles and, you know, eliminating some of the, the things that make it even more dangerous, right? Because they're going to find a way to get the drugs. So let's talk about some of the needle programs because people yeah. have mixed thoughts. One is we've gotten a lot of data on the adulterants because we are able to test some of those needles. Yeah. Here's another issue. You do get DNA evidence. Yeah. Right? So as much as there are people that are worried that a needle exchange program, if someone takes that needle, they can take your DNA. Yeah. Also, there's a whole idea behind testing strips. Have you heard of testing strips? No. So you can get strips, and it very much varies from state to state, Mm. that will test your drugs for fentanyl. To find out if it's been adulterated. And soon we're trying to find if you can test... Your strips for xylazine. Because if you come into my office now, yeah. say with your son or your daughter or a loved one and go, can you test this person for xylazine? That, that capability just does not, not exist there. right now. Right. And so these have to be sent to separate labs. And they have been really to try to figure out why are these wounds happening? Why are people not responding to Narcan and Naloxone? And it's a scary thing. And so the question is, should test strips be legal? Do we give them to people? Should Narcan not cost money? How do we find a way to fix this? Because drugs are going to happen forever. Part of me wants to round up everyone in Kensington. Yeah. You know the people in Kensington? None of them are from Kensington. That's right. They're I want to from, point that out. They're all from These somewhere are people else. from Collegeville. These are people from the main line. These are people from anywhere in the world. It does not. You know, I know uh, people who have means, who have loved their children, who have... Uh, raise them to just say no and all of those things. The drug epidemic does not discriminate. It does not. Uh, you know, sometimes it, it takes one person to get hurt. 
to get on one of these opiates, to need the pain medication, to find new ways to afford it after, you know, they've come off a prescription or, or, or seek to just get away from the pain, right? You know, it reminds me, um, in the Bible, um, you know, there's, there's mention of, so, you know, God's people, uh, the Israelites, he leads them out of captivity and, and, you know, we have Moses taking them and then Joshua taking over and leading them into the promised land. And he shows them this promised land. Did it look like Kensington? Yeah, probably. Uh, it probably looked more like um, uh, the main line. Okay. Okay. And, and he, he, he just kept providing for them and they kept falling into their sinful habits no matter how much he gave them, right? No matter how much he showed them the good in life and what was good for them, right? Reminding me of, of what's happening in this situation we're talking about. No matter how much he showed them the good, they fell back into these ways. They, they continued to rebel. They still got high. They still, got, they still did all these things, right? And, and then we get into the, the book of Zechariah, right? So the... Um, the Israelites, at one point, they had some good kings. They had some good leaderships. And then um, they continued to, to follow their ways. And God uh, uh, allowed the people of Babylon to come in and overtake them. And then they were exiled under Babylon rule for 70 years. And as they came out of exile, as they started um, to, to escape this persecution and, and find their freedom again, Zechariah, who's a prophet, um, in the book of Zechariah, he does a lot of talking about, there's a lot of um, messianic um, uh, foreshadowing, right? What does messianic mean? Talking about the Messiah, okay. talking about the coming of Jesus Christ and what will happen in those days when the Messiah comes, right? And so he's a prophet and he's talking about all of these things. And he gets to the point where he talks about what's going to happen in the end times. And he talks about how God is going to continue to provide for his people. But at one point, when, when the, after the Messiah comes, and there will be doubters, and then once uh, he leaves us, he will come back, right? The second coming of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, he, he will allow a, a period of, um, of like tribulation, right? We talk about the end times and what that'll look like. And then all of a sudden... You know what the end time looks like to me? Kensington. Kensington. And then he says this in in Zechariah, and it's also in in Revelation. Uh, They talk about how those who are not believers in Christ, who don't follow Jesus, will be stricken and walk around like zombies, like the dead. Their eye sockets will be sunken in, and they will look like the dead. And it's interesting because back in, because um, then in the New Testament, then Jesus comes, right? Zechariah predicts all this stuff, prophesies it. And then Jesus comes and he, in, in, the, in the New Testament, very clearly he, uh, in his words, and then Paul, when Paul is talking about who Jesus is, he, he very distinctly says, he is risen from the dead and given new life. He is not the walking dead, Right? He is alive. 
He is not one of those to don't do not to be confused with someone who is walking around as if they are dead. No, no, no. He's actually risen from the dead. And Jesus, um, at, at one point, you know, he performs a couple of miracles where he, where he brings people back to life. And at one point, he goes to this house where they they have somebody inside who has passed away, and they are doing like a like a funeral type. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth and the whole thing. Jesus says, why are we mourning? Go inside. She is fine. And, and they do. And she is alive. Mm. And he says, she is now alive. Not just risen from the dead, but alive. And there's a, a very big distinction, right? Between risen from the dead and new life. Yeah. Because he doesn't want it to be confused with someone who's walking around as if they are still dead. And that's, that's a big description of what we talk about as people who become followers of Jesus Christ, new believers. You say, hey, hey, hey you, you're dead to your old self and you now have this new life in Jesus. And that's what happens. So anyway, um, but the distinction is very important. And it's mentioned in Zechariah and then again in Revelation, uh, the idea that we are not zombies and that those who don't follow Jesus will be stricken down like zombies. And so... Um, it reminds me when I, when I hear, when I read about that, yeah. the same f- pictures come into my head. I think there are a lot of people that are going to Kensington to try to help find these people and to try to give them new life. Yeah. I know that of the groups that I've heard are there the most are some medical groups that are trying to find ways for harm reduction, right? Trying to find and tell people, hey, use test strips. Don't use alone. Make sure you have Narcan. Make sure to tell someone you're, when you're using. But also, as much as I uh, attempt to push against, the ministry is there. Yeah. And I know people are there preaching. And at times, whether or not I am a believer, I know that I think that some of these people can find new life if they can find a connection to something. And hopefully, you uh, religious people can help provide some of that. Well, you never know... What is going to click to change someone's life? Yeah. You know, we've, we've joked on this podcast before about how many times the deacon has been arrested and things like that. But I will tell you. Well, no, no. That's episode 100. We were going to do all the times you got arrested. Oh. Yeah. When, you know, there's been a couple of times in my life when I've hit a point that I have been lucky enough to to look at and say, I don't want to go back there and use that as motivation to continue to move forward. You know, um, and one of those times was when I really found a trust and a faith in Jesus to, to turn me into a new guy. And I really do believe that because the old dude, that, that guy who that he was, I don't know where he'd be today. Yeah. Not here, not doing Doc and the Deacon. If he was, he'd be probably doing it on the other side of a, of a glass wall. Yeah. So whatever people connect with, we got to find ways we can't give up. I have met great patients 
that then and had I love- trouble with substance abuse. I've met people that got sober from substance abuse. And I think the key is, it's so frustrating when someone's using mm. because their focus becomes this drug. And then we throw in this adulterant of xylazine and then it brings in this other layer that could lead to amputations. And it's hard when you are not a person who is using and addicted to these drugs to go, why would you ever stick something in your skin to get high for a few minutes? that could lead to an amputation. I I can't say I understand what everyone else does. But the reason I want to do an episode on it was not to go, hey, Kensington is a dangerous place. It was, I hope one or two people listen to this episode and go, I'm going to do something to help. Or one or two people realize one of their family members, wow, has an ulcer here and can inform them, educate, and try to come up with new ideas as to what can we do to turn these people around, to help beat these people, to f- help find them their new life or their new being? Yeah, I think that's our, that, our, my hope would be that somebody would listen and say, thank you, medical community, for not giving up, for trying to find new ways to, and, and however I believe, you know, because if I lived in Kensington or near it, I certainly wouldn't want, you know, people coming in and, and being able to, for these safe injection sites, I know there's one in Pottstown and, you know, there's, they're very controversial. But at the same time, um, I want to find ways what to What address would you live in at Kensington? <laughs> 420 Kensington. 42 West. 42 West Kensington. John Look, Brown lives there. I'm in trouble. Um, but, and I know that there, is, there are uh, people of faith and people who just care about people, right? It's not just... Christians who are down there ministering to people. It's people who care about people. I love the fact that we're trying to connect people um, with a bigger picture. And, and I think that can happen. And, and, and I believe that when people find something that they can hold on to and have faith in, you know, and that starts with Jesus for me, um, that, it, that it can certainly help change your life. But um, I'm glad that, that Doc and the Deacon is happening already down at Kensington, right? You got the medical community and the faith community and, and people coming together. Don't give up on your loved ones, on your friends that have substance abuse. Don't give up, right? People turn it around and we need to keep pushing. And also look at them and realize there was trauma, there was hurt, mm. there was addiction. There was not one thing that makes this person an addict. This is a human being that has addiction issues. This is not just an addict. Oh, that, make, that makes me think of that. This is not a zombie. You remember, you, remember, you remember Rob Zombie? Remember he was in that band, White Zombie? More human than human. More human than human. More human than human. Yeah, that was... And, and if I played that now, my parents would probably be like, oh my gosh, you're listening to this. But when you listen to it, yeah. that's a great message. These are human beings. Love them, support them, and let's pray for them. I know the deacon will be. Hey, two things you can count on. The doc is in. And the deacon speaks. You know, if you know someone that needs help, you know somebody that's suffering from addiction, um, you know, try to find, try to find help. There are, there are lines out there and, and, and certainly resources uh, for them to get help. Yeah, we want to give a shout out to our producer, Tucker Butler. To our rapper, franchise. But more than anything, there is not one person in the world that has not had a friend or family member that suffered from substance abuse. Mm. And uh, each one of those people 
are humans that we care about. Yep. Peace. Peace. Excellent brain trust to market and brand this. That's set in stone like the Ten Commandments. This show gon' be around for infinite years. I think we can all agree on ice cold beers. 100% authentic, you can't fake it. Often imitated, but never duplicated. So knowledgeable, take a lot of facts in. Now I'm coming to close it like a Roldis Chapman.